there's a, a new thing that seems to be going on in Canada. They, they, like Canada has gone nuts. That, that's what I've noticed. They, they've gone nuts. Uh, I think COVID kind of helped unveil the nuttiness that is Canada. Uh, but, but one thing after the other seems to be happening there. And uh, the, the way they handled the COVID restrictions and the shutdown and the self-righteousness and then they you know, with the trucker strike and everything else. And then there's this other thing that, that's going on where euthanasia is now the bomb. It's, they're just very, very excited about euthanasia. And, and they're very proud of themselves. And just recently, they, they enacted all sorts of new laws allowing the elderly or anybody for that matter to go ahead and kill themselves. And uh, even for mental illness, uh, whatever it is, no matter how young, how old, they're good to go so long as they want. It's like a right. You have the right to kill yourself. Uh, so therefore, you know, the government wants, wants to make it easy for you. Now, how much easier this is when in a world where, where they're telling everyone that your very existence on the planet is a blight, uh, let alone the idea of having kids. We'll talk about that in a moment as well. But that, that is, uh, so, so your, your presence is, is un- you're, you're a cancer. And parasite. A, a parasite, as Ari says, and I think that's right. Whatever it is, you're not good. Your, your presence in some way or the other is just wrong. <laughs> just, your, your very presence bothers me. And, and California, uh, no, Cal- well, that's soon enough. But Canada wants to make it a glorious thing to allow people to leave. And, and they're doing it honorably, right? Uh, maybe you'll get a, a benefits package somehow for your, for, the, for your family. So if you kill yourself... Uh, we will give your family, you know, X amount of dollars or whatever, free tuition or for something like that. In the old days, and, and it's not so long ago, like in Hungary, for example, they would give families money and, and even free cars uh, if they had more children, right? If you have more than four children in, in Hungary, four or more children, you're going to get all sorts of goodies. Now, now, Canada, if you kill yourself, you might get goodies. So anyway, the big topic here. And, and, and dovetails to another birth issue. Uh, but so life and death, they got you coming and going. Uh, the big topic is Canada and how it is a sign of the times and how it's coming to a theater near you. Now, I, I know some good friends and who, who've spoken very lovingly about this new euthanasia law where they think, isn't this great? You know, because they have a, a mother or father who's ailing and, you know, it looks like they're going to dementia and wouldn't it be great if they just got rid of their parents one way or the other, right? It's can like, I, can I rephrase that last end of that statement just slightly to make it, uh, you know, a little worse? Wouldn't it be just nice if we could get rid of these undesirables? <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. Right? <laughs> that's true. Deplorables, undesirables, all the good stuff. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. They, they want to get rid of anybody who's willing to be getting rid of. Uh, it, you know, it, it's interesting. I lived in Germany for my senior year, and it was we lived there a total of a year and a half. And, and I really enjoyed being in Europe. I thought it was interesting from a cultural point of view. I, I picked up a lot of German. I had a German girlfriend. She was my first serious girlfriend. Um, so, uh, you know, I have a lot of kind of love for Deutschland uh, in terms of, you know, kind of cool things that, that happened in my life. On the other hand, I learned a lot uh, about the way they treat education. So not to get into the education system specifically, but I, I want to get to my point here, which is they 
unlike in America where you can choose to be whatever you want to be at any time in your life, right? Uh, not so in Deutschland. In Germany, you are funneled very quickly at very early ages based upon your abilities and apparently, you know, your, your test scores. Okay, so I, I don't know what it is. I think it's like fifth grade. They have the first level, and then, then you get shipped off to this, this other area where you're going to go into trade schools, and that's where you'll be geared toward. And if you're especially bright, you might go to medical school, and so on. They, they send you to a different path. Yes, you can cross over later on, but it's much more difficult to do so. So parents are fretting all the time. Now, why would they do this system, you may ask? Why? Because the German government takes care of your education, and it's very expensive. So they don't want to waste it on people. They don't want to give everyone a college education. That would be madness you know, because they're, they're spending it. This is a socialism system, right? So that's, I think, the same thing happening now when it comes to Canada. I think Canada looks at, at its people like, you know, you guys are a burden. And why should we pay, we, the government, Canada, pay for all your, your needs medically and otherwise when we really can't afford it, please. We just can't. And, and getting rid of you and, and putting you out of the equation might help. Well, that's always been one of our key arguments against socialism or big government at all, which is once the government is paying for you, it's very easy for the government to look at you as a cost center. And then what do successful businesses do? They eliminate their cost centers. Yeah. And you're not looking at the intransent, transcend, transcendental value of a human being as something created by God and holy and special that has these abilities that are unknown until the beauty of life unfolds like a flower. It's instead, your cost is money. Do you mind dying? Which is very similar to the Soviet system of the best citizen is the dead citizen or the inebriated drunk citizen <laughs> who can neither make revolution against us or cost us a little. The bread lines very often didn't have bread at the end of the line, but the vodka line always had the vodka. They always made sure that was fully stocked. Interesting, and it's a great point. They, they, it, it, it so ties into atheism. In fact, I wasn't really going to go into there, but atheism, I always ask the atheist, and because I, I know how I thought about the world myself when I was an atheist, uh, that such people who are, uh, let's say, mentally retarded, um, Down syndrome or whatever it is, uh, that they, they don't have uh, limbs, They've for some reason they have... Uh, all sorts of diseases. Um, why, why would an atheist say that we should take care of these people? If you believe in survival of the fittest, then you should be applauding their death, their impending death. Not should. You must. You, you must. Yes, you must. And, and, you know, you may very well say, well, let's let them die in a, in a painless or as, as little pain as possible. Fine. You're so compassionate all of a sudden. But, but in reality, you, you don't have an interest in taking care of the elderly, the sick, or the, the young who are suffering. Uh, you, you don't, that's not in your bones at, at all. Uh, you claim to want it, but you don't. Um, and this, you know, all, all the pretenses that an atheist will say about how we should be good to our fellow man because it's the right thing to do, they don't even, forgetting about the fact that they don't even wonder why they ask the question at all, where does that right thing to do come from in the first place, morality and so on. But then, then you have what's coming out of Canada, and they, and like you can't possibly say this is a good thing, that this jibes somehow with the atheist approach. Uh, this also kind of dovetails into capitalism. Yet another great benefit of capitalism is that where there's a need, there will be a meeting of that need, right? So 
for example, hospice care, um, assisted living, all these things. Th these are private organizations. The government doesn't take care of the elderly. These are a lot of them are, are private in nature, and they're very good. And believe me, I, I've had to deal with it a couple of times because my my parents have gone through it. Uh, one of them recently passed away back in June, and the other is is now in assisted living, and it's very good, and I'm very happy that she's got the quality care. Uh, but I, I just dread to think what would happen if, if we were in England where there was no such opportunity it's or, or Germany. It's, it's basically goodbye. A goodbye. They, she would have been gone. Uh, they would have been gone a lot earlier. That, that, that's a problem. Um, and, and capitalism answers this. The, it, capitalism allows people to be compassionate, contrary to what we're seeing from Canada right now, where they want to get rid of the elderly, pretending somehow that they're, they're being compassionate. Well, I'd like to append your point with two very quick points. The first is capitalism. We look at an intrinsic and transcendental value of all things beyond the materialism or the collection of atoms that they are today. In other words, there's a future use for things that we can't see today that may surprise us. A perfect example of this is a person who lives a completely average life. They might even be a two-bit criminal. They might be a thug. But at the And September 11th was full of these kind of stories. But at the moment of absolute need, this person for some reason leapt into action and saved the lives of either one or more people through a very small or very great action that no one saw coming. And because they lived, others got to live. The other is the idea of unpredicted miracles. A miracle, by definition, has to be unpredicted. It's a miracle. It has to come out of nowhere, right? So the capitalist and the, the theist, the, those who believe in God, however you define that thing, but those who believe it, have a deep understanding, or maybe they don't, maybe they just live their lives to allow the room for this, that if we keep the elderly alive, we may reach a day where some medical breakthrough comes through that allows us to de-age ourselves and we can live hundreds of years longer and spread all the wisdom we acquired to others. There's a reason we keep the old alive as long as possible so they can share their wisdom and experience with the young so we can either do what they said in their stories worked and avoid what didn't. And and the, the atheists and the, the socialists constantly want to eliminate people for their own short-term gain. They okay. want to live fast, they want to live hard, they want to live loose, and they don't care who dies in the process of their acquisition of power. And one more real quick thing. Um, you're talking about this, this notion of uh, rhetorical compassion. Obama was famous for this. Well, if one child doesn't have enough to eat. Right. I, li I like that, rhetorical right. compassion. I've got to remember that. Right, rhetorical meaning just uh, co compassion in word only, not deed. Yeah, uh, you know, he constantly say, if one person doesn't have health care, we should not rest. And they went on vacation. You know, that kind of nonsense, right? But look at how much, and in, in the, the China flu was a perfect example of this, in order to save that one person who is the target of the rhetorical compassion, how many people have you bankrupted? How many people have you thrown into unemployment because you've destroyed the economy? Right. How much damage did Obamacare do to the health care and health insurance industries because some people had a pre-existing condition that no one would cover? You, you know, it's always let's throw away the many for the, for the sake of the sum or the one right. while trampling on individual rights. What I want to I want to quote you actually from a, a long time ago on a podcast. You, you were talking about one of the great differences between liberals and conservatives is that liberals are always <clears throat> seeking to limit. Uh, they, yes. they they want to restrict. We conservatives 
uh, always want to expand. We always find an answer. We, we want to say, how can we feed more people? How can we provide more energy? How can we extract more fuel, fossil fuels, for example, from the, from the ground? Uh, and, we, and we constantly do it. Fracking is a great and example. Use them wait, wait, in efficient yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So use them efficient ways. Yes. Th- these are, in other words, we are the party of if there is a will, there's a way. Right. That's in, in a way you can look at capitalism like that. They see, and you said the word short term, and I think you're right. That they they, they see a, a problem. Okay. Well, the the world population is going to go too much, too much, and we're going to start eating ourselves. So let's kill off each other before we get in too bad a situation. Okay. Yeah. Uh, whereas we say, no, uh, we'll find a way. And we always do find a way. We never get stuck. Uh, there's always a way out. And we're incredibly resourceful, incredibly creative. And by golly, life just gets better with every generation, or it should. Now, the next point I wanted to give, just as an example of what you said before about creativity and, and the, the expansiveness of uh, nature, if you just let people wait just for a second, you know, just not even a second, a couple of years, um, you, you will find the answers. Great example of this, and this is one of the things I really applaud George W. Bush for, was how he fought, uh, you know, infant, whatever, stem cell research, where it's supposed to be, a, you know, prenatal uh, stem cell research. And everyone is accusing him of being anti-science and that he was doing this and he was going to he'd be responsible for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people's deaths because he was refusing to do this. And they waited a little bit. And what he did, first of all, he came up with a good compromise. There was already stem cells out there. So, yes, you can use those yeah. uh, because what, are you, what else are you going to do with them? But then they waited and we were able to get all that goodies, all those goodies, in fact, even better goodies in terms of research and development from adult stem cell uh, research, which was plentiful, of course. Uh, So, you know, suddenly that controversy went poof, you know, away. Why? Because of the innovations uh, uh, of capitalism. And this is so emblematic, right, of how the left only sees their one opportunity. This is the only way to do things. Uh, and, And you, if you don't agree to my way of looking at things, then you are a caveman, you're a Neanderthal. Same thing with uh, wind and solar energy, for example. That's the only way. And how do we best get there? Uh, instead of looking at the other possible solutions in terms of cleaner gas, whatever, making nuclear finding more gas, hydro-electric. nuclear, hydroelectric, all those things. Pretend that no one even invented that. Yeah. But going back to Canada, because I, I'm, I'm really, it's, you have to, and, and my friends that I was talk, telling you about, these, these friends, and I don't want to name them, of course, um, they, they probably wouldn't mind because they, they feel very highly of themselves. They thought it was just wonderful. And when it comes time for their parents who are aging and they're 75, 85, they may very well consider, you know, because they, the, the parents might very well want this and they might ship them off to Canada where they can off themselves in a very loving way. Uh, so th- that's... That's how, and they thought of themselves as really compassionate. That's what it makes it very interesting to me. You, you are you are no longer of value to us. Therefore, we kill you. Yeah, it, that, that's that's the essence of what Canada is now approaching human life for. Right, and it's so obscene. Uh, like in, in this part, it happens in America. If those elderly parents, for some reason, whatever it is, decide to become a murderer, 
these are two countries, uh, uh, when I say countries, I mean in the most of the United States and in all of Canada, where they would never allow the death penalty, which is administered through the same device. Yeah, I was just going to say. An anesthesia, a thing that puts you to sleep and then something that rips your organs apart. <laughs> you know, it's not painless. You just go through the agony while your body looks like it's asleep. Mm-hmm. But they would never allow that if a, you murdered someone. And if you murdered someone in Canada... They would provide you such good care in prison, it would rival hospice and palliative care. Yeah, everything's it, upside, it's so ironic. Every, everything's upside down yeah. in this world. Uh, and, and death penalty, I was going to bring that up. But they, they're totally, well, I mean, somebody who murders somebody and uh, on a serial basis, no less, uh, what use are they of society? We certainly don't want them out there with the possibility of committing more crime, or at least so you would think. Uh, so these people are, are useless. I'm put that in air quotes. Uh, they're all good about keeping them alive. But when it comes to good people, because they are uh, maybe suffering, and depends what, how you define suffering, uh, they, they should be allowed to kill themselves, and we'll, we'll, we will encourage them to do so. That, that's the thing I, I hate most about it, is that Canada is encouraging it. There's something very morally problematic with all of this, and it, I think it's obvious. We, we just dare not mess with God's plan. And you, who knows what's really going on? I mean, God, if, if, if you believe that, first of all, that there is a God, and secondly, if you believe that God takes you when he wants to take you, um, then who are you to decide, uh, whether, you're, whether you're the government or somebody who wants to commit suicide, to say, no, I, I'm going to advance this. I'm, I'm going to speed up this process. Yeah, isn't it uh, interesting that in the Ten Commandments, there are two criminal commandments, Leaving aside the cult commandment about the Lord's name in vain. The two, well, there's a couple more, but the big acute ones are you shall not murder, you shall not steal, right? Now, if you become a muckety-muck in certain governments, you are allowed to legally and encourage murder and steal. Theft through taxes Murder through things like this. Well, not only that, I mean, but they're also encouraging people to loot and to steal. You know, uh, I mean, it goes on it, the, co- on. the culture has gone yeah. crazy. But, but, but just in a basic sense, I, I, I mean, I, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I know, I know. You're right about this, and it's very disturbing. And it's they, they certainly don't care about the Ten Commandments. Uh, I, I, I'd be okay if they just observed their own laws. Uh, that would be nice. But they, they, but once you forget about the Ten Commandments and you don't think that there's necessarily a reason for all these laws, then then why would you enforce the laws at all? Anyway, I want to get to the next segment of this, which is very related. Uh, we, we said we were going to talk about this. There's this new trend in news media, and it's not just one source, it's many sources, where they are now talking about uh, whether people should have children at all, right? Or at least dramatically re- reduce the number of kids that they we're thinking of having because, you know, global warming and all that. So, which do they call climate change now? They, they, this, the obvious reason is that the more kids are born, the more carbon is emitted into the atmosphere, not only from their breathing, uh, but also from their use of resources. Okay. Uh, this is a new trend. Now, I, I said that this would happen in my book, Rise of the Sex Machines. It's also part of uh, Atheism Destroys. Where I was wrong, as usual, Ari. You weren't fast enough. (laughs) Exactly right. I I thought that we would be where we are now, where they're now starting to actively talk about uh, encouraging people not to have any children, not because we're going to be overwhelmed 
uh, that there's going to be overpopulation explosion. There won't be enough food for everybody. No, no, no. It's because this time we are contributing to climate change. All right? So I, I thought we would be here in, let's say, the year 2032, not 2022. That's where I thought we would, we would start having this more of an aggressive stance. But you're going to see this now. And at some point, the government is going to start encouraging people, like they are encouraging in Canada, to, to, to kill yourself. But they're also going to encourage you to have fewer children. Oh, they already are. No, I know. They're already it, it, encouraging kids to be homosexuals or transgenders yeah. or get surgeries or take vaccines that are, could potentially sterilize them, according to certain rumors said by some people called me. All right, all right. That, that, that's you're getting ahead of where where we're oh, going. You're 100 percent right, Again, though. And I went to, I okay. went as fast as the government goes. You know? <laughs> yes, yes. Here you are, just deliberately setting up your points like a good lawyer. <laughs> all right. So, I appreciate that, but. This is, a, this is a tactic that they're doing. They're, they're trying to, what, what they've done brilliantly, really brilliantly, I have to give it to them. Um, if you, if they, see, they actually have a battle plan. Uh, we have no battle plan at all. We, we just want to kind of well, stay I the do. course. They just don't listen Would to you me. hold on for Ari for a second? Yeah. Um, they have a battle plan, and they, their plan is to destroy civilization, uh, but immediate little battles in between which is to make sure that people don't have any kids, people kill themselves when they can. Um, and, and as part of that process, they want to trivialize sex and, and divorce it, disassociate it from having children at all. In the old days, and it's not too long ago when I say the old days, <clears throat> the idea of sex was between a man and woman and for the idea of procreating. <clears throat> yes, it could be for fun, of course, but in the days where you weren't expected to have sex until you were married. Uh, yes, I know it was going on before, I know. But, but there's a difference between knowing that it was going on kind of, you know, underhandedly or whatever, and, and then encouraging it. Uh, th- those are two very different things, right? And then, so we separated that out. And then we're now telling kids that they don't know if they're a boy or a girl. They don't know what kind of sexuality they have. Uh, they could be anything or asexual for that matter. Try homosexuality. You know, who knows wh- where you actually stand on this issue. And by all means, uh, get a vasectomy, get, get on birth control, everything else. So it, it gets to, and, and you sure, certainly should not have kids because you're going to have your sexual thrills anyway. So why do you need that? Why, why, yeah, why, why yeah. would you? You can have all the benefits of sex without any of the burdens. And, and boy, having children, that's a burden. I, I say cynically, sarcastically. I think it's, it's such an overwhelmingly beautiful thing. Uh, having sex for the purpose of having children is the best sex you can possibly have, I think. Uh, and likewise, the idea of connecting with somebody, uh, with one person for the rest of your lives, that, that is a bond that, is, that, that makes that kind of intimacy all the more heightened, right? It should be. I, I understand that it's never picture perfect. I get it. But that's the ideal. And we, we should live in a time of ideals. We should always have ideals. But what they're doing in the, uh, in the world of the left is, is stripping away all ideals altogether. They, <clears throat> they hate the idea of ideals. There, there is no standard. We've talked about this before. There's no discretion. There's no distinction. There's no standard. And they want to say all sex is the same. It doesn't matter whether you're, you're taking it up to you know what, uh, whether it's vaginal, whether it's oral. It's all good. It's all the same freaking thing. 
Sheeps, dog, children. It's all the same. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so, so th- this, is, this is the topic right now. So you're going to see this more and more, Ari, this topic among news media saying uh, it, they'll shame people for having kids. They'll say you're being selfish, right? Never mind that that's the ultimate selfless act is to have children, uh, and many of them, of course. Uh, while you and I applaud somebody that we might see who has, <clears throat> let's say, three, four, or five, even six children, uh, we have many good friends who have a lot of children, and uh, we, we applaud them. We think that's awesome. Other people think that we're the devil to the extent that they believe in the devil. Isn't it interesting? And now I want to make a separate point that's related to what you just said. Isn't it interesting that in Judaism, there's a general commandment that you are obligated to take care of the very young and the very old. You're obligated to take care of the very young by having the very young and assisting other people dealing with the, I'll use their word, burden of their very young. And it is a burden because having the very young, i.e. children, does kind of curtail a lot of the sybaritic pleasures that you can pursue because now I'm stuck you know, taking care of the very young and you're supposed to take care of the very old. And what does our uh, political adversaries and philosophical adversaries do? They are now engaging in murdering the very old for their own convenience and pleasure and doing everything they can to make sure the very young never come into being. Right. right? Now, the point I wanted to make is this. I stumbled upon this very morning. I sent out on my email list, of which, of course, you're on it, a lecture given by a Planned Parenthood honcho sometime around 1969 and in it, there's a number of these subjects that we discuss a lot of times and you cover in your books, especially in Rise of the Sex Machines. It's basically the kind of philosophical statement you explored in depth on that. But he said something very interesting. I never heard phrased this way, and it's perfect. He said, we intend on changing the association between sex and reproduction, i.e. having children, to an association between sex and contraception. And one of the best ways to do this is to change how sexual intercourse happens from male female to male to other, to male male female female, mm-hmm. so that the association is with the orgasm, and so the orgasm is not associated with anything procreative. Yeah. And that is exactly what you're talking about. And yeah. what this means, and this guy's ahead, uh, one of the philosophical honchos of the Planned Parenthood and campus kind of sexuality movements. This has been a plan of theirs going back decades. When the John Birch people released their videos from like 1956 and 58 and 1962, talking about these things that were coming. And people said, oh, those John Birchers, they're crazy. They were talking about mass vaccinations that were compulsory. They were talking about mandatory birth control, the population control. All things people would say, well, that sounds crazy like UFOs landing. What's crazy is that they were dead on right about everything. And here's a lecture in the own words of a well-known intellectual who's talking about exactly Exactly what you're talking about, we're on the precipice of, because now that the society has been nudged and nudged and nudged and acclimated, like the frog from the cold water being boiled, they're now ready yeah. to be proselytized to in this way. Yeah. That's a great point. And, and one of the things that, speak about the proselytizing, and, and how do you tell people that it's, it's good to kill your elderly or your mentally ill son or whatever it is because they're burdens and such like that? But the only way you can do that and this is, relates not only to the, the killing uh, or the suiciding, shall we say, 
of these people, but also goes to the birthing thing. And we'll talk about how they're, they're actually, what I'm about to say relates to both of them. The government successfully is making you feel great about a very immoral decision, yeah. right? So that, that is, they're, they're telling you uh, in the suicide case that you're doing something wonderful for your elderly parent or that, that you know, retarded uh, Down syndrome uh, brother of yours uh, or whatever it might be. And, and, so, and they win. The government wins by not having to deal with this person anymore as a blight on society, as a burden to society. And you win because you don't have to deal with that particular person anymore. And you both feel oh so great about yourselves. Okay? Uh, same thing think with... Think about all the other wonderful things those tax dollars we're extracting from you can go to instead of this. Right. All the museums, all the parks, yes, yes. all the programs for the homeless. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then on, the, on the birth side, having kids side, uh, they, they make you feel good, good about not having kids. You are being responsible. You're a good human being because uh, you are engaging in your orgasm chasing uh, in a healthy, uh, limiting way such that you are not you know, causing the plant to suffer by having yet another kid. Are you crazy? No, of course not. No, no, I, you are responsible. Get your vasectomy today. That, you'll see. This is going to be an advertising campaign. Get your vasectomy yeah. today. We'll pay you a little bit of money. First, of course, it's free, just like the COVID vaccine was free eventually. Um, and, and everything else will be taken care of for you. you you'll be, you'll be uh, what is it like they had in Catch-22, uh, where the government pays the farmers not to grow crops, right? Same sort of thing. They'll pay you not to have children. Uh, now, then, then and it they'll tell you how sustainable it is. When the real sustainable is sustaining the population. Of course. Yes, you're 100 percent right. Now, this it's so perfect for them. It's it's not just a win-win. It's a win-win-win. Yes. What's the other third win? The the third win is destroying religion, right? Those crazy Christians, those crazy Orthodox Jews, those crazy people that would you know for religious reasons or otherwise want to have a lot of kids. Right. They're so backwards. They're bad. We need to stop them. And this is a yeah. great way of doing it because just the same way we shut down all the churches and synagogues because of COVID, uh, we can shut you down from having kids or encouraging other kids or marrying people for that matter if they seek to to have a, to kids at all. And we'll force you to, if you are going to marry people, you're going to force you to marry gay couples uh, or maybe throuples for that matter, and, which will be so offensive to the church they won't be in the marriage business at all. And that, by the way, is the new respect for marriage law that's passed. Oh, oh, for sure. That's so exactly what That's the main reason yeah. why they did it. Uh, so it's a slow burn, and sometimes some people would say a fast burn. Yeah. Uh, but that's coming. And you will, at the very least, as a churchgoer or a pastor, a priest, a rabbi, you'll have to explain yourself. You'll constantly be on your heels saying why you don't want to marry a, a gay couple, male or female. Uh, you only want to marry uh, a Jew with a Jew and a Christian with a Christian, and you want to baptize them, and you want them to have a lot of kids. You'll have to explain yourself. Yeah. And, and you, know, you might have to get some sort of authority from the government. And even if you don't, you might have to sue. And that will cost your church a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, and by the way, how right you are was actually in the document I sent out. Remember, this was an oral speech, so the transcript's written a little plugly. But he talks for a long time about a big section about how getting churches on our side, the same way they had the black churches on the side of eugenics, mm. and the same way they got the uh, Jewish synagogues in the days of Nazism to encourage the Jews to turn over their guns in the gun control run-up that led to the Holocaust— yeah. 
Look how many churches now have gay flags in front of them. They've succeeded. Okay, and then get this. We've talked, we've been on this podcast now. We're coming up on our 10th year. Oh, no, we're past our 10th year, okay? Yeah. Coming up on our lucky 13th year. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Islam many times. But I've noticed a very interesting dynamic in the last two and a half, three years. I, I know where you're going with You this. know exactly yeah. where I'm going with this, don't you? It comes from that Trump rally, right? right. Islam has fallen out of favor with the left. Mm-hmm. To, uh, one interesting dynamic I've always pointed out about Islam is it follows the strong horse. It almost doesn't matter who is in the lead, but... Islam being an honor culture and the way it is, a power culture, it usually will adapt to strength, whatever that is. And Trump did something miraculous. Because he's so strong, a lot of Muslims liked him. And then Muslims started figuring out what was going on in the public schools, and they don't like it. Yeah, I saw that one, uh, one student rally or whatever, school rally. In a school board meeting, rather, in Dearborn, and, Michigan, in Dearborn, Michigan yeah. which has a lot of uh, Muslims in there, the population was, and they just went to town on the school board, and they were terrified. And, and, and I would be terrified, too, meaning that the, the, the Muslim parents rightfully said, what the frig are you teaching our children? This is an outrage. Stop it right now. Right, about uh, books like gender. But my point is, yeah. finally... Islam has now fallen out of favor with the left, and now they're coming after the Muslims too, showing that the only religion allowed by our leftist friends is their leftist religion. They were using Islam as a stalking horse all these years for a time when they were going to snap the shut on Islam too, and now it is. They were aligned when when it was against Christianity and Judaism, but uh, and America for that matter. But now you're saying that uh, they're no longer aligned because the the family values and the sexuality and all that stuff is just too much for them to bear. Amplifying your point about them coming after religion. Okay. In this case, all religions. Yes. Every one of them. I agree. Look, I'd like to see some more examples of what you're talking about in terms of them uh, disassociating themselves with uh, Islam and uh, treating Islam as yet yet another religion. Uh, that that should be suppressed. I don't know. I haven't seen that yet. I, I'd like to see them. I'd like to see the left at some point say, uh, "What's going on in the gay world in Iran, for example, is is absolutely hor- horrific." I'd like to like to see that um, that the slavery and the treatment of women, generally speaking. I haven't heard that yet. Maybe you have, uh, but one day maybe. I, I don't think. I think the left is so cowardly that they will not necessarily be outspoken against Islam. They may not join forces with Islam. I get that. But they're so cowardly that the minute somebody says boo to them, they, they, they shirk away. And that's why they attack Christians. Uh, that's why they attack Mormons, who are, of course, Christian also, but nevertheless, and Jews to a lesser extent. But um, they, they attack anybody that they perceive not to bark back at them. And that that explains a lot of what we're what we're seeing now. Well, I, even conservatives, I, I, generally I speaking, the they, they, oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah. even conservatives, generally speaking, uh, they will attack uh, because they know it's not, it's not as if the conservatives are going to you know riot in the streets because uh, they feel that the fundamentals of civilization are falling apart. That we're we're not going to riot. We, we we didn't we're not going to do a BLM type riot. Uh, you know, that, that somebody says in the year 2023, for example, there'll be the summer riots of the conservatives. It's not going to happen. We all know that. So they can go on the attack on us. They can go on the attack on Judaism, Christianity, and Western civilization, generally speaking. And they'll know that there'll be no pushback. But when it comes to Muslims, if, if, if they perceive that the Muslims will react very aggressively, uh, I think they won't do anything. Well, they, they may be passive about it. They, they may not align forces, like I said, 
but I don't know that they'll actually attack. And I think a big fulcrum moment was a foreign policy win by Trump was the Abraham Accords. I think that really changed everything for their relationship with Islam because I think they realized sort of two factors. First of all, Islam was useful for them to help gain power in certain ways, like on college campuses, only so far. Mm -hmm. And then when that happened, that kind of undermined their whole ability to use the Muslim yeah. Domestic. Maybe, maybe it's a little bit like the non-aggression pact between uh, Germany and Russia in World War II. It, I, 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 you know, I, and, and then I, it was useful until it was not useful. Is it, what you're it, saying? It may have been, but I think the bigger issue is that the left is entirely about acquiring and controlling and maintaining power at all costs, and it's a religion of its own. Yeah. And it used to be that the, many of them viewed Islam as an adjunct to their religion because of its anti-Western components of it, but some when like the behavior of the Dearborn parents showed them how westernized and civilized so many uh, and moral uh, morally uh, aligned yeah, they're with, Americans yeah you know, the, the American values these Muslim populations were and re- the, suddenly the left realizes oh my god they're not useful to me anymore yeah, yeah. let me let me wrap up this way and I want to wrap up now because time is up but it's interesting how we're talking about these various different aspects. And we talked before about how the left always seems to be uh, so well geared up for, a, for a planning. They're, they have individual battles, uh, and, and they're good at planning these battles. The, but the strategy, when you think about it, is only to destroy, right? Yeah. Destroying is a lot easier than building. We, we know that, right? right? The, the right is about building. The left is about destroying. So they've got their cutout, their work. I wouldn't even say they have the work cut out for for them. It's it's as easy as rolling a, a rock down a hill instead of pushing a rock up a hill, right? So that's the, the the game plan. Now, what's interesting is they don't really think about what it looks like at the end of their proverbial rainbow, literally and figuratively, right? Because they love the rainbow uh, symbol. What what's on the other side of that rainbow for them, right? And I'm saying this rhetorically. Uh, we don't need to answer that. I'm just simply saying they just. For all their battle strategy and 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 very devious Machiavellian strategies to undermine marriage and the relationship between men and women and everything else that we're seeing, what what is the ultimate game plan? You talk about power, Ari, and I think you're right. But what will this world look like? What will America look like if they got everything that they wanted? If there were no Republicans, no conservatives whatsoever, if they just did everything that they wanted, spent every dollar that they wanted... Uh, inflated the economy the way they did, uh, didn't, didn't uh, criminalize or even enforce any laws whatsoever, what, what would it look like? I mean, it, to us, the answer is obvious. But we're also seeing that now with this, uh, you know, uh, uh, celebration of suicide in Canada, the celebration of uh, no birthing anywhere in the world, for that matter. These are all things that they can't possibly be figuring that, that this will work out very well, because that if you have no birth, right, <laughs> among the population, you're going to have a very aging population. Nobody will be around to take care of the elderly, let alone, uh, you know, press the switch to suicide somebody, right? I mean, you, where is, what's the plan? Where's, where's the big picture here? You've got to have something. I mean, I, I get it. You want power. You want socialism, maybe communism. I get that. But even if you wanted that, it, it, it doesn't make sense. Even even the Soviet Union didn't, uh, you know, celebrate the, the destruction between men and women. On the contrary, they had some degree of, of sensible values. They, they had a, a sense of a standards. Now, they had a system that, that could not possibly work economically, and that's why they fell apart. But this is, you're just accelerating the, the inevitable uh, 
uh, falling apart of, of America and ultimately Western civilization. Well, you believe in God, right? Yeah, of course I well, do. Well, yeah. the, the answer is obvious. Yeah. And it's in the, the biblical stories over and over again. Evil is a natural state of things. Evil exists in the heart of man. We have an innate, when God is removed from the equation, we have an innate desire to kill and die. We do. The leftist desire is death. Power is just a means, it's not ends. The end is picture any planet in our solar system other than ours, and it's barren. Whether it's a frozen giant in the far reaches or just Mars and it's just a windy rock, death. That's a, right. But here's the thing. What do they really want? Death has a purpose, and it's to challenge the existence of God. Because in the Bible, let's just take one story in this case. Noah, and I'm going to be fast, okay? Uh, Noah was the miraculous survivor of God's needs to wipe out all wicked humanity, right? So they want to somehow... And, and the plan is herky-jerky, okay? They don't all think this. They're too stupid. But they all play their little breaststroke parts in a big painting. They want to bring about the death of all things with the hope that the miracles that God bestows eventually runs out and God does not restore life. Well, I, That's what I, they want. I, I agree. I, I agree. But I don't think that the average person who, who celebrates the uh, spending recklessly of the money, the immigration influx, and all the abortion culture that we have, I, I don't think that they're... I, I'm talking about that person uh, I, I'm, and the way he looks at it. Look, like I said, I want to wrap this up. I'm, I'm simply saying it's a, it's a fight between chaos on the one hand, order on the other. Chaos is a lot easier. Destruction is a lot easier. Building is a lot harder. And, and they're playing into the people's sense of everything is good. There's, there's nothing that's inherently wrong with anything, whether it's sexuality or, um, uh, you know, attitude about anything, about the way you're educated or what you learn. Everything is good. It's all a matter of opinion. Nothing matters. And there certainly is no, no such thing as good or evil. It's just bad choices, whatever that means. But that sounds to me like the seduction of Satan, you know? It's okay, just... all right, all right. So, but I, I, I'm not really talking about Satan here. I'm talking about the idea of what their game plan is. Uh, I'm seeing, you know, that this the Canada thing happening the birthing or the, the, the rejection of, of birth on the other as well. There's two sides of the same coin. They're, they're designed to destroy all civilization. And they, I just, I don't think that the average leftist or the average liberal for that matter, who, who applauds all these incredible new changes in our civilization, I don't think that, that he sees it for a moment. And he, he wants each of these things individually, not realizing that he's heading over the cliff. And that's my point. All right, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Brock Lurie signing off, saying God bless, and we'll talk with you next week.